Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right, welcome on to a preseason, maybe even a prediction preview outlook version of Hollinger and Duncan. So before we get into that, we're going to talk about some of our most intriguing teams, the most difficult to predict, our overachievers, underachievers, our best and worst offenses and defenses. But we must return to the usual regrettable topics of this show. Uh, I'll give you the the choice here. You want to talk Harden or do you want to talk uh, Miles Bridges? Oh, I thought you were going to mention KPJ. No, I, I thought Danny and I went through that one pretty pretty thoroughly yesterday. I don't know if we, unless you have like some big contrarian take on it or something. I, I don't know if it's contrarian. I mean, Houston's whole logic for that take was just to keep the keep the money in play for whatever the next trade might be. Yeah, seems that way because they don't have a ton of uh, other movable pieces. So, um, yeah, and, and I thought I thought OKC did fine given their roster spot constraints. and Yeah, no, I thought it was great for OKC. They used their float under the tax, basically, to get two more seconds. Yeah, no, why not? Um, So let me ask you, I mean, Danny and I went through the allegations yesterday. I don't think we need to have this fresh run for Miles Bridges. We were in the nascent stages of finding out exactly what was going on when we talked last week. So this is what I want to ask you. I was aghast that they haven't at least like put him on administrative leave right now. Like, is there any reason why they wouldn't be doing that? I'm pretty shocked too. Um, And I mean, the fact is he he is already suspended to start the season, I guess, for a few games. So, so they at least have, have that. Uh, But it's, it's a bad look. And I think at this point, it's a player where you just have to question like, Really? Are we like are we, are we sticking with this still? Are we are we still going to be keeping this guy beyond this year? He's on a one year deal. Like you know, we, what are we doing here? What are what are these optics like? And especially with Charlotte, I guess I'm a little more surprised because they're under new ownership. And you would think that would typically be the type of thing where a new owner would come in and say, "Okay, that's the previous ownership stain. I don't want to deal with that. Just move on." And it hasn't happened for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't I don't really understand it and I mean, you know, he was back to practice uh, on Friday after turning himself in and and you know again, these these are allegations, but at this point I don't I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt. So I, I don't I mean, if you, I I would understand at least if it's like, hey, we're not going to waive you. Uh and maybe he would be on administrative leave if he were not already suspended and were around some of the non or and he had to be representing the team publicly, which he hasn't had to do at all other than at media day when he gave the the Derek fake non-apology thing 
Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just really surprising to me that he's around it. And like, yeah, I realize that league discipline can't happen until the legal process has gone completely through. But if there's any truth to this at all, like you just, you can't keep him around at, at this point, like particularly because it's like, you should be on a total zero tolerance policy at this point already. Yeah. I, I really just don't understand it. So I we'll see how it plays out. I mean, it could be ultimately if he never represents the Charlotte Hornets again, you know, then I'm not going to complain too much that they didn't handle it this way initially, but we haven't had any communication from anyone other than just, we are investigating the allegations, you know, the usual statement. That yeah. Right? Yeah. You would, You'd, you'd expect a little more from the Hornets on that front. So, well, they got they got some uh, some interesting issues going on in that team with a few different guys. So, James Harden is uh, reported by your colleague at the Athletic, Shams Charania, that he had only participated in one scrimmage over the first two weeks of camp. Now, it's been reported that he has been absent from the team since Sunday. He has not been present for any of their preseason games. He had previously said in his one media appearance that he might play on Friday, but he's not there right now. And it's Wednesday. He's been gone since Sunday. The Sixers are kind of in a wait and see. Let's see if he has an excuse for this, what is currently viewed as an unexcused absence. Harden is kind of walking a little bit of a line here because... He can't do this for more than 30 days, even with the monetary considerations, because then he won't be able to be a free agent at the end of the season, or at least that'll be at the Sixers' discretion. Uh, I I love that he still went to the one uh, mandatory NBA meeting that they fine you for not showing up at, though. And of course, there's reporting there's no movement. It seems like they're kind of stuck between a pick and a swap and two picks and a swap in terms of the value for a potential trade. There hasn't been movement on that. There's only one suitor, which is the Clippers. Yeah. What do you got here, John? It's Ben Simmons all over again. This is amazing. I mean, it's it's a rerun of the same movie, right? Well, it, well, except Harden is better at it than this. Than this <laughs> He's better, better at basketball and better at better at not basketball, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I, it's fun. I mean, to me, the Sixers are in a dead end again, and they need they need a savior the way Harden was the savior for them in the Ben Simmons situation, where it looked like they had basically no way out. And then right before the trade deadline, Harden becomes available. It's almost like they need that exact same thing to happen again. The problem is that the, it's so hard for the Sixers to make any trades because they have no assets right now, other than the one guy they want to keep, Tyrese Maxey. So what if if a if another deal like this came up, if there was an unhappy star in another city that they could theoretically trade Harden for, the problem is they have nothing else to put on top of Harden mm. to sweeten that deal. So I think they're really in a tight spot. I think whatever they get from the Sixers, uh, from the Clippers, excuse me, is not going to be enough to then turn around and trade the expirings from the Clippers and the draft picks and get star player C. I think that's very unlikely. So this is, to me, this is pulling the Sixers off the contender map. And how do they get how do they get back on it? They still have Joel Embiid in his prime. They still have a very good young player in Tyrese Maxey. How do they get another at least one more star caliber piece around those two and not punt on a year of Joel Embiid's prime? I think that's a very difficult question that Harden's situation is kind of forced for them. Yeah, for the Sixers, I think they actually can be pretty good. And I, the more I think about it, I think actually letting Maxey get a lot of runway this year as the clear number two and really establish himself as 
someone that people will want to join to come play with. Like, uh, and I mean, the reality is they weren't good enough anyway, I think, to Correct. compete with Milwaukee and Boston with Harden. And that was last year before those teams loaded up for this year. Harden has always kind of failed in the playoffs. So it's like, you know, not having him, like maybe things will be worse than the regular season. But, like, you know, there's still probably a decent bet to get to the second round of the playoffs and lose without him just as they are with him. And then maybe Tyrese Maxey makes the all-star team this year as well, which he probably doesn't if he's playing with Harden. And we've seen that these guys can win a fair number of games with basically this same group. I'd say they're more talented now than they were two years ago. Uh, now, if Joel goes down, then then they're in a little bit of a problem. Then they could really yeah. use Harden, but they're, they're fucked that way anyway. So I don't know that I'm like, oh man, like if we don't have James Harden, like what are we going to do? So I don't know that there is like that much urgency for them as I think about it at this point in time. Uh, I will say this about Harden too. I think Daryl is kind of like a implicitly criticized his management for like them, like not having a plan. I think that them kind of not having a plan is actually may work in their favor because there's always some new story. There's always some new thing, some new approach. Been oh, he's back. Everything's fine. He's been so professional. Oh wait, no, now he's gone again. Like, yeah. So I think that actually like keeps this in the news, keeps it yeah. being a distraction, actually makes it worse than if it's just like, okay, yeah, he's not going to play. Fine. We'll just deal with this. He's not around the team. I might come back. Are we going to find him? I don't know. Like, what about this 30 day thing? So that like kind of the more it's going to be creating like a new headline every day. In theory, I guess that makes it more difficult for the Sixers. But I just I don't see them budging necessarily uh, on this. Uh, You know, we'll see on Friday whether he plays or not, whether he's really willing to like get fined, you know, three hundred eighty thousand dollars per game, whatever whatever it's going to be. So uh, I guess what I want to ask you now, though, is. What would you take if you're Daryl? What would you offer as the Clippers? Do you think there is a deal to be had here as of now, or does something need to change for one of those two teams? Uh, I I don't think the Clippers need to bid against themselves right now because they're the only team in the game. I I think an unprotected first and a, and a swap, which is the, is the rumor deal, and expiring money might sound a little underwhelming from Philadelphia's side. From the Clippers side, I don't know if I want to go much further than that just because no. look at look at how the team is set up. I mean, they may after twenty six, like they, they probably need to think about a rebuild and they probably want to keep their, their draft pick stock in order to do that. So I think it's a big commitment for them just to just to put a twenty eight pick in play. Uh you know, could could Terrence Mann be a deal evener in some way where it's okay, you're not gonna get two first, you're gonna get one first and Terrence Mann instead of one of our dead money expirings. Uh is is that enough to get this to the finish line? And man, I think it's someone who actually could help the Sixers. And, you know, if they really, they're so desperate to not have money and for next year, well, at least, you know, man makes 10 million. I'm sure they could move him on or even stretch him if they really had (laughs) desperately, (laughs) desperately don't want money for next year. I I realized, I realized that is anathema to Daryl Morey. I, I get it. Um, so I, the way it strikes me, and I've said this before, like I'd kind of, I'd be in wait and see mode for the Clippers. Like, let's see how this, like, are Kawhi and PG looking good? Like, are, are we playing well? Right. Like that, I definitely want to see what yeah. my team looks like before before I before I raise the ante much if I'm the Clippers. I totally agree yeah, with that. Certainly going in another three years worth of your draft, uh, that seems like if you're going to do that, you better be damn sure you actually have a chance to win this year and that James Harden makes you have a chance to win this year and i don't i wouldn't feel comfortable with that right now as la given just that they haven't been at that level since 
Kawhi Leonard went down in 2021. I want to see my team playing at a level where I'm like, oh yeah, James Harden could be the missing piece for us. And they may have other needs that are more important that they should use. Absolutely. That for, you know, yeah. I, I think, I think the, this, the yeah. skill overlap between Harden and Kawhi and PG, I think creates some diminishing returns. Whereas like if James Harden was a five of the same level, I think that's yeah. a much easier deal for the Clippers to say, yes, like we're on the phone right now. I mean, as it like Denver owns them, right? They, they can't deal with Jokic yeah. at all they get abused every time they play them and that that's a problem that's not going away because they got James Harden yeah if you could if you offered that package to the Pacers for like a Miles Turner like he's not as good a player as James Harden but he's younger he's under contract for longer like that's you know Miles Turner is matched up okay with Jokic I realize in the regular season but you know that's that's the sort of thing where I'm like ah, eh, maybe that would be a better use of resources even though I know Kawhi and PG are like desperate to have a real point guard but you know doesn't Russ like do that enough you know let's see how Russ is looking this year that's a lot how he fits with those two guys together which we didn't see at all so yeah i mean i guess as the more i think about it this feels like james harden is not going to play and for now the sixers and the clippers are going to be cool with that i mean maybe harden will just he's going to have to figure out a way to still get paid and not play at the same time but i also think the sixers are going to be you know maybe they end up just having to relent maybe they get into another simmons thing where like they're docking fighting over whether to dock his salary and there's a grievance where james says no my hamstrings actually hurt and they say no it isn't and you know maybe that's where we end up but I don't, it doesn't feel like it's going to happen as of now. Like I just, cause I don't see reason for either team to budge right now. If I were running either of these teams, I would not do, I wouldn't change my position as of now. And, and, and James Harden, even if I, I'd say James Harden for me as Philly is not going to play until the trade deadline. I think I would be happier with that than to take the deal from the Clippers right now. Cause that deal is going to be there at the deadline. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. And we, we've seen, I mean, they've operated with this playbook before, clearly two years ago. So I think it's it's pretty straightforward what Philly's perspective is. They're going to get their deal or they're going to wait. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car or a house. It's the four wheels that get you where you're going and the four walls that welcome you home. When you combine auto and home insurance with Amica, we'll help protect it all. And the more you cover, the more you can save. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. All right, let's uh, let's pick our next topic here. Uh, there are five things I wanted to hit on. Maybe we'll save some of them for next week. But we can do best and worst offenses and defenses. That's two topics. Uh, okay. Teams that we think will overachieve, teams that we think will underachieve, or the most difficult to predict. I'll let you pick the first one. Uh, let's do uh, overachievers. Overachievers. Okay, I have fastidiously not read any of your prediction stuff. We're going to surprise each other here. Give me your first overachiever in the 23-24 season. Uh, so the number one team that I think people are way too low on heading into this this year is the Toronto Raptors. I, I still think that's a good team. I think they were a lot better when they got Jakob Pertl last year. I think they're playing with a real center now. They lose Fred Van Vliet, but they didn't replace him with nothing. They replace him with Schroeder, who is not an amazing player, but he's what, like the, I don't know, 23rd best point guard in the league or something. Um, 
So I think having Pirtle versus the team they had for most of last year, which went 41 to 41 with a positive point differential, having Pirtle is worth more than not having Van Vliet, I think, because they had to change everything they did on defense to adjust for the fact that they had no real center, including playing their best defender at five half the time with with OG. And now I think you you line up with a real center. You're huge at the three and four. You're huge at the two when, when McDaniels comes in. Um, I think there's just a lot more depth in general. Uh, and depth that will actually play in the games, hopefully. Uh, when you talk about drafting Gady, Grady Dick, signing McDaniels, Trent is coming off the bench now. I just think it's it's a much more coherent team. I think Scotty Barnes has a chance to be a lot better than he was a year ago. So I don't think it's good. they're going to be amazeballs and everything, but their over-under was like 35. Like, are, are you kidding me? Like, And they owe a top six pick, is the protected pick is the other thing, to the Spurs. So like, there's no chance they're tanking this year, whatever they do, because there's nothing in it for him so no matter what like it's just not that hard to be average in the east right now heading into this year and i think they're more than capable of that so what do you think you're thinking they're like a 500 team 43 i got them down for Wow. All right. Yeah. Eight more than the over under. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I guess I'm, I don't have anybody that I have that sort of a, a difference. Yeah. They on. were, they were by far my biggest disparity. So I have these guys penciled in for a bottom five offense. Wow. Okay. And why wouldn't they be? I think they'll be bad. I think they'll be a very good defense. I do, They will not be good on offense. I agree. But, <laughs> but they're, they are very good in transition. And so when, when they can get out and yeah. run, I, I think they will score that way. Yeah. Half court and, and offense. The boards. Yeah, shooting. The, I mean, the shooting is suspect. Obviously, the one-on-one creation is suspect. I, I, that I'm not going to sugarcoat that. I do think they have probably more shooting than a year ago. Uh, do how? I mean, depending on how much Grady Dick plays, they, they I traded. Think, I think he'll they basically help. traded Fred Van Vliet for Jakob Pertl in the starting lineup. How do they have more shooting? Floaters, man. <laughs> no, um, I, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying there. I just, I. I, I just think they're a deeper, more kind of coherent team in a lot of ways. And I think they were kind of not enjoying basketball last year and might have a little more fun this time around. Yeah, like like you, I'm going for the over. I, I see that part at 43, even 500 seems rough. Just because you think about it, I, like last year, they were 26th in half court offense. And, and they just lost their best shooter, their best passer, second best offensive player, probably. They're just, I think... If you just add up the talent on this team, you know, I, I might agree with you. I think that they're just, they're generally less than some of their parts, at least uh, on the offensive end. So I think they're, and also I think the coaching change is going to be really fascinating with them because so much of what they're doing, you know, lots of pressure, force turnovers, get out and run, hit the offensive glass. We got to do that because our half court offense sucks. Are they still, are that still going to be the philosophy? Are they going to play it a little more conservatively? Like, I think they can be a lot better than they've been defensively in the last couple of years when they were so high risk that they just didn't stay solid i thought they didn't execute that well yeah uh and maybe there was a calculation that they needed to do that for their offense but it seems like they'll kind of be i'm predicting them to be better defensively and worse offensively than they have been but man if they're going to be a bottom five offense and just like with the, the shooting and also like their lead creator is not that amazing like siakam is like your best offensive player is probably below average and he's going to be working with no spacing as well and like barnes i think he'll have more chances but he also is going to be in an even worse 
ecosystem, I would say, in the half court offensively. And you throw in both playing with another center in Pirtle, and you've got Schroeder, one of the worst shooting point guards, replacing Van Vliet, who's one of the best. And he's also not as good of a passer as Van Vliet to like run, pick, and roll. Like they were doing some of that with Scotty right before the Pirtle acquisition, but now Pirtle's the main pick and roll guy. So I'm not sure how he's going to fit in. And then there's also the emotional aspect. Like maybe they'll have more fun this year, but also like you got OG and Pascal in the last year of their deals. Pascal wanting a, an extension could be a trade candidate also. So I, I'm I'm kind of wondering about that. And I guess I, I end up with, if they're going to be a bottom five offense, do I want to bet on them being a top five defense to get to 500? I think that's possible. They have the talent for that. They've underperformed previously. Maybe Darko can get them to play better, but I, I'm not, I don't want to bet on that. So I've kind of got them more in like the high third. I think I picked them for 37. Yeah, okay. 37. Okay. All right. Who's, who's All right. your top do overachiever? One, yeah. yeah, I'll do. Yeah, we'll each do one here. Um, top overachiever. This is a tough call because so many of the teams I think really could overachieve. It's like I don't want to bet on that necessarily <laughs> because of some of like the injury issues. Mm-hmm. I think I'll probably, this is what I'm guessing you're going to agree on with me. Okay. Is the Memphis Grizzlies. I agree. Uh, I have their, I don't have any like huge differential. I think their over under was 45 and a half and I have them for 48. I don't think I'm much different than about two and a half or three on most of these. Uh, and I did do them independently before I got to saw the over unders in most of sure. these cases. So maybe I'm just kind of more conservative about it. But yeah, I think 48 wins for the Grizzlies like they're just a team that is proven they can succeed in the regular season and i think their defense is always going to be good they're always going to play hard under taylor jenkins and john morant like yeah they're pretty reliant on him but i think they can play 500 ish slightly below that ball without him and then when he comes back like why are they not going to be at their usual 51 50 plus win pace uh and even if you're like slightly below 500 without morant and then he comes back and he plays you know call it uh 60 of the the games overall this season like that that gets you into that over pretty easily yeah i mean he missed about as many games each of the last two years and he they won 56 and 50 uh i i memphis was one of my biggest differentials i had them with 50 wins i had them with the best record in the west actually wow uh, so yeah they i think are getting short shrift at least as far as their regular season prospects now playoff memphis that's a whole different argument uh there, there are things they do that i think don't really translate that well to a playoff environment but even without Morant, when you talk about a core of Bain, Jackson, Smart, Adams, who's back, like that, I mean, that's really good. And that's that that's capable of winning more than half of half of their games on its own. I think their bench is still pretty good, even with all the players they've lost. Uh, not household names, but Aldama, Conchar, Kennard, those are plus bench options compared to what most teams have. Not having Brandon Clark is going to hurt them. I presume he's going to miss most or all of the season. Tillman's fine, but he's definitely a downgrade from that. I'm a little worried about backup point guard for them. I know Smart can play there. Bain can slide over. Uh, Derek Rose, if, if the plan is to actually play him unconcerned, if the plan is for him to be a mentor for John Morant, which I think is more the plan, uh, than, than less so. Yeah. I, I thought Rose is actually looked okay physically in preseason we'll see uh, I, and also like they've played well uh chris harrington made this point to me that the point guard list lineups two years ago when Ja was out they didn't have a backup point guard behind tyus and those bane at point guard lineups actually worked yeah. really well now they also had kyle anderson there maybe it's not quite the same but historically those units have been pretty decent 
Yeah, as, as long as they can find, I think if it's all on Bain, it gets hard. But if they can find other ball handling from those from those three four spots, then then life gets a little easier for them. If you know if Zaire Williams gets to the point where he can take up some of that slack, for instance, underachievers, underachievers, yeah. I I can go first here if you want. Yeah, sure. I'm trying to decide between the Minnesota Timberwolves and the New Orleans. Wow. Okay. I think I'm, I'll go I'm, with the Pels. Just the, the health thing just seems so fucked again. <laughs> like I actually just recorded with Will Guillory, and I, I predicted them for 43 wins. Their over under was 44 and a half. Okay. But I think you know a lot of people are like, well, if Zion is healthy, then they you know they'll be a 50 win team maybe. But you know, pencil him in for maybe 50 games. And I thought they were way over their head on defense last year. Had a lot of shooting lock. They're the worst rim protecting team in the league when teams actually get there. So they sell out to prevent that they give up a lot of threes and opponents just happened to miss them last year <laughs> so yeah I, I think that the Pels could really be an underachiever this year particularly with Trey Murphy who's really their only two-way support player Jose yeah. Alvarado Larry Nance is key for them they're going to play a lot of Zion at center which could be interesting but then they're not going to stop anybody if they do that and you know we'll see whether he's able to stay healthy uh, or not career high 61 out of 72 games and he did that one year so I I'm I just like there is a scenario absolutely where these guys could like get to 50 if everything works like they're playing at that pace at times also we haven't seen them actually with uh Zion and Brandon Ingram together at all and that fits like a little question we talked about that last week yeah so yeah I I think uh they're just a a team they seem overall snake bit I just I don't want to make the bet (laughs) I had New Orleans at 41 they're a very difficult team to forecast 41 obviously wow yeah because of the uh, injury issues Part of that is I, I just think the West is a tough neighborhood in general. I think everyone's going to be a little lower than they expect. But Ingram and Williamson have been teammates for four full seasons and have played less than 100 games together, right? That's that's like an unbelievable stat. They, they just can't stay on the floor at the same time. Uh, I think they have other concerns. I think there's not enough shooting. I think if Jordan Hawkins was rotation caliber, that would help them a lot. I don't think he is right now. Uh, CJ McCollum has not looked good in preseason. So I think that's another concern. What what they're doing at the center spot, as you say, Zion at five is really interesting at the offensive end. But like the guy who makes all those lineups work is Trey Murphy and he's out. Supposedly he'll be back in late November, which if it weren't for the previous history of every other New Orleans Pelicans injury report, I would probably take a little more seriously right uh so that that you obviously have to worry about that uh they 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 do have a lot of interesting young defensive pieces you know herb jones dyson daniels but there's just where do you fit those guys in when there's no shooting anywhere when, when you're counting on Jonas Valanciunas to be your number two stretch guy right after McCollum like wh- where's the floor spacing coming from <laughs> and so I I just think that's an overarching concern with this team and so it's just hard for me to get them to a big win total obviously if Zion plays the whole season they'll probably be a top six team I just I just don't know how you can bet on that well and there's a lot of competition there as well that I probably just believe in a little bit more than that I mean so you got to pick somebody out of that Dallas 
New Orleans, Minnesota, Sacramento group yeah. to kind of fall out of it a little bit. And I mean, you could throw Golden State and the Clippers and the Lakers in there too. And and even Memphis as well. I mean, there are these over-unders between like 44 and a half and uh, like 48. I think basically everyone yeah. in the West. 11 teams are not going to win 46 games. Yeah. So the, the, it has, yeah. the, has to come from somewhere. Right. And I think Minnesota and New Orleans are the two I would bet on there. I mean, Dallas... Fives haven't been amazing, but they also have Luka Doncic, who's the best player basically on any of those teams. So that's uh, I, I'm willing to, to bet on, on that. Um, now, New Orleans could make a trade. I think, you know, Will was talking about them maybe doing something at the center position. Now, of course, that trade also would involve them getting out of the tax. So that might kind yeah. of constrain things a little bit. That's the other constraint there. I mean, there's no chance in hell they're paying any luxury tax. Nor should they, frankly, given where they are as a franchise and how close they are. Your spring is about to get a lot more power with the Home Depot. Get gas-like power from mowing, trimming, and blowing with the Ryobi 18-volt OnePlus system starting at just $89. Mowing power that can take on a third of an acre with one charge. Trimming power with up to two hours of runtime. And blowing power with 110 miles per hour of clearing force. All on one interchangeable battery. Get cordless gas-like power for the entire lawn with the Ryobi 18-volt OnePlus system. Only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, what's your give me your number one underachiever? I'm smashing that under on Sacramento. Was it 44 and a half? Uh, yes, I believe that's correct. So yeah, I got them winning 39. 39 games. Ah, no wonder James Ham wanted your contact. <laughs> it was an ambush, <laughs> a ambush. Nah, nah, just kidding. Um, uh, the uh, yeah, I I mean, obviously, the health situation from last year, not only with how healthy they were, but how the opponent's best player magically missed every single game that was against Sacramento, uh, is not going to be nearly as favorable for them this season. I think d- defensively, they're still quite bad. Uh, they have no real wing stopper. They have no rim protection other than JaVale McGee, who was unplayable a year ago. Are they uh, Offensively, when they're healthy, they'll be really good. They'll be really tough to stop. That two-man game, Fox a bonus with all the shooting around it. That's still going to be a thing. But once they... I think if they... Somebody at some point will tweak something. And once they get into their depth, I think their depth is generally not very good. And overall, like last year was amazing. There was the beam. It was right. It was, it was incredible, but I, I have a really hard time seeing all of that repeat itself. Yeah. And then you throw in the karma of not lighting the beam after their summer league victories at the golden one center. (laughs) And, uh, they're really, they're never gonna, never gonna recover from that. Certainly they were insanely healthy. Dan was kind enough to follow up uh, on this for, uh, dunked on prime that of teams that kind of had got 73 or more games from their top eight players there have been maybe like 
three or four of those in the last 15 years. Mm -hmm. So they will have worse health. The question is just how much worse will it be? And But I do think pretty much everyone is young enough to either maintain their level or take a step forward. And I do think the way that they ran and that their culture there, that that's that's something that is pretty sustainable. So I think they're still on track to have a top six, top seven offense at least. And that's that's a pretty good start. I think they'll be better defensively than they were a year ago because they were very unlucky in terms of opponent shooting in contrast to what took place in New Orleans. So I, I have them for 46. That's probably higher than wow. some people do. I think the under is kind of popular. There. I mean, they did win the 48 last year. You know, that, I just think that their system works in the regular season offensively and uh yeah i think there are probably some people who are like hey why aren't they gonna win more everyone's younger like we were we were we're a team on the rise like yeah the health stuff i think is gonna pull them back but i think in terms of the individual player performances i don't see anyone who's just like oh this is a guy is gonna be a huge regression candidate necessarily i think think fox with the with the shooting could be a little bit of a regression yeah the clutch stuff the uh, particularly in the clutch i do think uh yeah back-to-back jerry west award winner potential there (laughs) Uh, you know we'll see we'll see how fluky that ends up being and he did shoot incredibly well in mid-rangers in the clutch also but i think keegan murray can be a lot better for them him breaking out would be the one thing that could that could i think turn this uh prediction against me yeah and yeah i think like there's no reason saponis or fox should be much worse other than the clutch stuff at least in my opinion but i think so i I actually did have their over i guess I think Barnes has a chance to be worse, and I think he's kind of low-key important for them. Yeah, I mean, he was minimized by the end of that that Golden State series uh, as well. Uh, all right, well, let, let's let's continue in the same vein here. Okay. Of just your your most difficult to predict team. My most difficult to predict team. I mean, it had to be the Pelicans, right? They're I mean, up I there. I just threw a dart at sure. forty-one wins because who the hell knows who's lining up for them any given night, right? So yeah. So that I mean, to me, they were they were clearly number one i'll t- I tell you who else was hard too though actually uh i think oklahoma city's challenging because you're yeah, trying you to know figure what? out yeah. how these guys are going to ramp up and what really happened last year and how much of that was real and i, I thought they were a real challenge you know, there's actually, I would say, five teams that I would say were the hardest for me. There's the health teams, obviously, but that's that's kind of a boring unpredictability, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think there are five kind of young teams, like on the rise-ish. Okay. Houston is one of those, right? Like, yes. what uh, mm-hmm. Are they, you know, I think they're over-unders uh, like 31 or something like that. I ended up going under just because that's kind of how young teams work, but they've looked great in preseason. Uh, they brought in some really good defensive players. Uh, they brought in a new coach who's or track record is a good defensive coach. So like that is in theory, some pretty low hanging fruit that could enable them to get a lot better uh, on that end. That's one of the few outlooks I haven't done yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I haven't had a chance to think about them quite as much and do an official prediction there. San Antonio is another one just with Victor and yes. you know, they had the worst defense in NBA history, but like on paper, their defensive talent isn't that bad. Uh, Orlando, I feel a little more comfortable about Orlando. They're actually of them kind of maybe being a little bit overrated to take a step forward just because I struggle to see how their offense is really going to be. Exactly. Good, exactly. Yeah. That, that's the exact thing I wrote. Yeah. I'm hitting that under. Cause I, I just don't think they'll score enough. Yeah. And then OKC as well. Like Chet looks fantastic. He had another really good game. I and mean, did you see him block 
Damian Lillard's like step back going to yeah. his right. Yeah. Like yeah. I, that was an amazing play. He like Dame got him going backwards and Dame's like, okay, as soon as I see you going backwards, I'm going to hit the, hit the brakes and get to that step back going to my right. Like I, he's probably never gotten that shot blocked before in his entire life. And right. like his shoulders were going backwards and he stopped his momentum and reacted to Dame and blocked. It. I mean, it's preseason, but like that's, you don't see that type of stuff. That is amazing. So like, and he, I love that they're playing him at center and kind of leaning into that aspect as well. They don't care how skinny he is. Uh, like, and he could, could be a real guy who just fits into everything else that they're trying to do. And all the young guys take a step forward. Like they, they could win 50 this year. Like that wouldn't totally shock me, even though I did think people are kind of out over their skis on them. But yeah. yeah, those teams was that yeah, that's four teams was oh, and Utah is the other one. Uh although I'm starting to feel a little more comfortable about their I, I did go under on them, but they're another team what's, that just what's their over under? Yeah, it's 35 and a half. Okay, I, I had them at 36. <laughs> so yeah, just right there. Yeah. I, I think the what sold it for me was the top ten protected pick that they owe from the fair favors deal to OKC. It's funny because we were in that exact position in uh in Memphis where we had a top ten protected pick and one of our discussions was, well, we and it like went out a couple of years, just like this Utah one. And internally, we're like, well, we'd like to just convey this thing so we could get on with our lives. Uh, but in our heads, convey meant like it would be like the 18th pick, right? And I think once you right. get down toward the end of the year, as Dallas did last year, and you see your choices are basically convey the 11th pick or keep the 10th pick, then you'd be like, no, actually, we're going to keep the 10th pick, right? Like that has way more trade value. Uh, and especially in this case where where it can eventually turn into seconds. So it's not like it's definitely even going to be a first. I, I think Utah's incentives when you get down to the last couple games of the season would be pretty strongly tilt toward landing in that bottom 10 so that they can keep the pick. Yeah, and the, I mean, the way that changes, I just I have a lot of respect for Will Hardy as a coach and also Walker Kessler. Is, you know, like if he turns in one of these guys where like when he's on the floor, they're just a top 10 defense no matter who they put around him. Like that's, that goes a long way towards getting you over that. So, I mean, it just all those teams that they're either like a lot of young guys or just a group that we haven't seen together at all. So those are, if I have to pick one, yeah, again, like if Utah didn't have that top 10 pick, I might feel top 10 protected pick. I might pick them. Orlando, I think I have a pretty good feel on. Houston, I still got to dig into a little bit more. I think I might actually say the Spurs. Yeah, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but like I think they got a, I think they could get into the mid thirties. I adjusted break my right. first it's just pick like, several times yeah. in the last few weeks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because uh, at yeah. first I thought they would just be bad because Victor would take his lumps this year. Then once the preseason started, it was like, nope, <laughs> not not taking any lumps. <laughs> yeah, uh, what he's going to be is, is just I mean, that's one of the biggest storylines. Uh, yeah, this I mean for the next ten years, of course. Uh, so did we hit on, on your most difficult to predict too, or is there another one that you that comes to mind for you? The other one that comes to mind for me is actually the Lakers because. My numbers weren't effusive about them, and I feel like I like their. Are, team are you working I, with some different numbers than me? By the way, like you have numbers that that can be effusive. They're really that <laughs> expressive. Maybe that's why you're such a numbers guy. Like if they really speak to you in that way, I've I've, I've always found, found that to be a little dry. Personally. My numbers are not cold, emotionless creatures. <laughs> they have feelings. <laughs> uh yeah so you said your numbers were not effusive uh, on them yeah but i feel like when i see this team i like it more that 
I mean, to see a Laker team that is actually constructed in a way that more or less makes sense is like so refreshing, right? And uh, you, you can see toward the end of last year, the pieces kind of fit pretty well. Uh, still can question the shooting, I think, and question just what exactly you're going to get from LeBron and AD. That's obviously the overriding question, right? What is what is LeBron at his age? How much is father time going to take out of him? Uh, how many games is AD going to miss? And will he ever make a jump shot again? Right. And yeah. I, th- I think those those questions create a lot of variance around the team because the rest of the team, Reeves is a nice player, but it's essentially role players, right? So it's it's LeBron and AD that have to do the heavy pull- pulling still. And how much of that pulling can they really do compared to when you look at the top duos on the other teams, especially when you talk about regular season, uh, those those top duos. Uh, so that, that's where it got tough for me with LA. Cause I ended up with them in seventh in the West, which feels low, right? Uh, I mean, everything went wrong for the first half of the season last year and they finished seventh. Now I had them with more wins this time and I had them really close to six, five, four, three, two, uh, because the standings are just a, an, an accordion right now in the West, at least as my, my projections look, but that, that one really gave me a lot of trouble. Yeah. I think I actually have them. I've got them third, uh, at 49 wins. And part mm-hmm. of that's just because I've don't i don't with them predicting those two guys to just not play as much i think they actually can play more than they have combined the last few years let me ask you this if they if those guys make it to 65 70 games each what would you like what is this team kind of fully see it wasn't it it wasn't just them making that number of games though it was actually quality of play too yeah uh because i i think you have to at least ask the question at lebron's age where i can't just assume he's superman uh the way i would have five years ago and i think with ad is kind of similar where he plays great for two weeks and then he's he falls funny and scores 13 points a game for two weeks right and so i i don't think it's just a question of quantity with them your spring is about to get a lot more power with the home depot get gas like power from mowing trimming and blowing with the ryobi 18 volt one plus system starting at just 89 dollars. mowing power that can take on a third of an acre with one charge trimming power with up to two hours of runtime and blowing power with 110 miles per hour of clearing force. All of one interchangeable battery. Get cordless gas-like power for the entire lawn with the Ryobi 18-volt 1 Plus system. Only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I think AD, he'll always be consistent defensively. And that's the biggest thing. When he If he's going to miss time, then their defense is going to be atrocious all of a sudden. I think actually when he plays, their defense can be really good. LeBron, I think they can kind of get away with with Russell, uh, with Austin Reeves potentially taking on a bigger role. 
I think they can survive missed games for him or just kind of let him take quarters off a little bit and just be out there and quarterbacks like just him even being on the floor and organizing things and giving them that stability and setting up mismatches and uh you know directing the ball and and you know finding ad and little lobs under the basket and stuff like that's that has plenty of value just with his intelligence and his size and the way he, he could play defensively uh still anticipating actions so i think lebron is still a very positive player even if he's at kind of 70 percent. so yeah yeah i guess i, I if if you were gonna say those guys are playing reasonably well and because let's not forget too ad and lebron were both like not that healthy in the playoffs last year and they still made it to the west finals admittedly beating a couple of teams that may not have been any great shakes themselves either and that's kind of one of the big unanswered questions of this uh season in the west to me is just like did everyone except the nuggets in the west just suck last year right <laughs> or like i mean if you just look at the regular season wins and like the health the east, and the fact that east there was won no 22 continuity. more games yeah, yeah. And, and i mean even like a phoenix right you'd say oh yeah like you know, I, I my dumbass uh, had them beating the Nuggets, but like they clearly just didn't have the continuity. They had no role players. Like they're going to be way better in all those regards this year. And I mean, they just they played five games together. Like, yeah, big surprise that they like didn't know how to attack the Nuggets, changing up their defense, or you know, they didn't have the communication to deal with Jokic. I don't know that that would have helped that much, but they could at least have really like been way better offensively. So you know, and Golden State had all of their issues, and I mean the Lakers, even though they made the playoffs, LeBron AD were hurt and Dallas didn't even make it Memphis had all of their issues as well was it just uh, everyone just wasn't that good in the West last year that's a a huge question I think a lot of these teams could be a lot better I agree with that yeah I I just feel like it's a much tougher neighborhood in the West in general and that's why like that's why I only have Lakers Warriors Suns improving by a couple wins from last year just there there's 11 good teams like 11 teams who are genuinely trying and and will be very disappointed if they're not in the playoffs at the very least. And so it's it's going to be super competitive. And I think that's going to put a put a cap on on win totals kind of across the West. And there's really only one easy night in the West this year, I think, with Portland. Yeah, I think that's right. There's nobody who's really going to be a, a disaster. But I mean, somebody, some guys are going to get hurt. Some will be trades. So there's something is going to happen, obviously. But yeah, I mean, they, they're really, there's probably only one or two, maybe three easy nights, at least on paper right now in the whole league uh yeah and there's nobody other than washington i don't know that there's anybody i'm projecting to win under 25 but somebody's going to like that's just what's gonna i would say we'll see how the resting policy changes things too i don't think it's gonna change that much but still could be interesting I want to see the Sixers yeah. get fined because James Harden like sits out a game. <laughs> oh man, that would be fantastic. All right, let's do, probably got time. Let's do who you think the best offenses in the league are going to be. All right. I it's will funny. give you my tier one. Oh, sorry. It's, sorry, go ahead. It's funny because every year in the coaches survey, they say Golden State. And it's like, do you guys look no. at the rankings at the end of the year or not? <laughs> I mean, playoff offense, there was maybe a time that that was going to be the case. But yeah, I, I don't think so on that one. Here's, here's my top six. Okay. You tell me who, if any, you would not have that. Okay. Denver, yep. Phoenix, Milwaukee, Dallas, Sacramento, Boston. Anyone who should not be in there, anyone who should be in there. That That is my tier one. 
I think that's a pretty good tier one. I would, I mean, I think Denver and Dallas might end up as like a 1A. I don't know though. Dallas, it depends so much on how much Kyrie is going to play and what what he's going to be. Yeah. Also, like some of these teams are like, are they going to lean into the offense or are they just going to be like, well, we got to get some kind of defense on the floor. We don't care if this guy can't shoot. Uh, So the team that has the argument to be in that discussion I, I don't totally believe in them at, the, at this level, but the Knicks were the number three offense last year. They replace uh, Obi Toppin with DiVincenzo, basically. They're really deep, so they always kind of have good players on the floor, which is important in a regular season offense. Like, is, is it ridiculous for them to finish in the top five again? I mean, because they did it last year, I wouldn't say it's ridiculous. I have them kind of in that next group. I do think some of these teams have really loaded up. Uh, now, some some of these those teams above them might have injuries. The Knicks also don't really have injury risk guys. So that's another reason. Uh, I also think that in general, people are going to catch up to them on the offensive rebounding. It seems like everyone's emphasizing yeah. offensive rebounding more. So they may not be, you know, have as much of an advantage on the offensive glass as compared to some of these other teams. It's tough buying into a team that's like so possession driven. Yeah. I mean, and that's what it was getting to the free throw line and then offensive rebounding and not turning it over. I mean, I think they'll, they'll be good at those two things, but you know, I don't think this year that it will be possible to be, you know, whatever they were like 17th in E field goal and be the number two, number three offense. I don't, I don't think that's possible. One more possibility I'll give you. Yeah. The Atlanta Hawks were the number seven offense last year, despite not attempting a three-point shot the entire season. Yeah, no, that's actually a good one. I mean, even the Clippers, too, they've always been good with Kawhi and PG. It's just, I feel like they don't have enough shooting in most of their lineups to get there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Philly is another one, too. I'm kind of basing this on Harden not playing as much. You know, if he were to actually play, then I think they could get in there. Golden State, I think, might have a possibility, uh, depending on health. I mean, uh, they finished eight last year, and Steph only played 54 games. And uh, they suck when Steph is off the floor, but hopefully Paul can fix that. And there's can they get more out of, like, Kaminga and Moody this year? Uh, I'm not sure about that. I kind of have them in that next group again. I don't really see anyone else as a – I mean, is it possible? I think Cleveland? OKC just doesn't. Yeah. Uh, top five, top six. No, I don't think so. I think they're, I mean, just the two bigs. Uh, I'm not quite a, a believer. I mean, if they're going to play Struess and uh, play Niang yeah. all the time, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, they, they were number eight last year. But yeah, I, I'm sort of with you. I, d- I don't know how they get much higher than that. Yeah. I mean, is there anyone that you feel of Denver, Phoenix, Milwaukee, Dallas, Sacramento, and Boston? Is there any, any of those you don't believe in as having a really good offense? Milwaukee, I just I just need to see it. You know, Lillard being there, they were they were okay offensively last year. They weren't amazing. Replacing Holiday with Lillard, that should upgrade it, right? But then there's also a lot of non-Lillard minutes that are still going to some players who aren't very good. So you worry about that part a little bit. I'm worried about their defense. I'm not worried about their offense. I mean, the Blazers had a 120 offensive rating with Lillard on the floor last yeah. year. Now, maybe you could say just he drops off a little bit because he's a little bit older. Maybe that's how they're not a top five offense. But outside of injuries i mean lillard having this level of shooting Giannis as a role man they're going to be awesome in transition which lillard teams usually have played slow that won't be the case anymore now you know they're probably going to start it looks like malik beasley at the two at least early on i mean that's defense offensively he's going to bomb threes that's going to 
help them a lot. You know, that gives them another element. You know, Middleton can make spot ups as well. Like he should be healthy to start the year. We'll see. Lopez could regress from three. Maybe they'll, they'll just let Brooke Lopez shoot 10 threes a game. But, uh, you know, he's a efficient inside the arc. I, I think they're just, they're just too good. Like for all, all the reasons they struggled last year, Lillard just fixes so much of that. And they also brought in uh, more shooting. So yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying about needing to see it. Yeah. And Boston too. I, I think like Porzingis to me looks really good in the preseason. Yeah. His, him being like a quick hair trigger and the fact that a lot of times teams are going to actually have to guard him with their five too. And like how much that's going to open it up for all these other guys. Um, very bullish on yeah. on the fit with him in Boston because I yeah. I think he gives them a dimension too where they can punish switches in a way they couldn't before with him. Denver I might be concerned just because what if their offense is just atrocious when Jokic is out? Yeah, maybe I mean, that's that, what it is. That bench could be tragic bad, and I'm I'm really interested to see how that works if they end up staggering Murray and Jokic or if they go all in on the Murray Jokic minutes just because they figure that combo is so unstoppable that will take. Take whatever we get in the other 15 minutes yeah maybe that's that's right and murray it seems like he'll be able to play more this year as well but i mean there were 124 when Jokic was on the floor last year that's a pretty good start <laughs> i would say all right let's do worst offenses and we then we'll uh we'll call it quits here who do you have among your worst offenses in the nba washington yes detroit yes orlando uh portland uh, I need to nominate a fifth team. I'll, I guess I'll go with the Chicago Bulls. Wow. Okay. We got some differences there. Okay. Um, you know, I, I had all of those teams in my bottom. I guess this would be eight. Okay. I think Portland will be a little bit better than this group. I think they're going to be awful on defense, but Aiton is a, a, an efficient finisher. Simons like can shoot threes off the dribble. Like I don't think Scoot and Sharp are going to be amazingly efficient, but Jeremy Grant has been, he's uh, had some good moments in the preseason. Now they might make a trade and then, you know, the downward gravity at the end, but I'm trying to project them mostly as fully healthier. I just think they'll be a little bit better than some of these other teams like Simons as a lead ball handler and shooter off the dribble and eat and like those are guys who are you can look at as like yes these are guys that we know are going to have above average true shooting on some decent volume whereas uh orlando i kind of agree with you but they how bad were they last year they're i, I think 26 guys yeah i think they've guys who can take a step forward remember too that as non-shooting as their guards are they didn't have any of those guards even playing the first like month and a half two months of the season so i think that should should help them some i think paulo and franz will be better and the two that i would have that i had in my bottom tier i washington and detroit were like obvious as 30 and 29 for me right uh san antonio and houston i think are also in pretty bad Houston maybe I, more than San Antonio even. Well, I don't know. I think both of them are just are, are just pretty limited. Yeah, I, I I guess I'm not sure what to make of of either of them. You 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 might be right on Houston. They they probably have more upside at the defensive end to get better quickly than at the offensive yeah. end based on the players they brought in. So I could see them being like 26 or 27 offensively, maybe. Well, I mean, if you're going to add in Dylan Brooks at you know 50% true shooting and 20 usage, you know, that's that's not a great start. Van Vliet is a solid player, good fit, but he's always been below average in true shooting. You're really, if you're going to get out of that bottom five, I think there's a couple 
couple ways you do it. One is just turning it over a lot less than they have previously when they've just been a total disaster there. But yep. you're really relying on Green, Shangun, and Jabari Smith to take big steps forward there. Because if you just look at who their best offensive player is right now that's established, like that's probably bottom five or so in the league. And then San Antonio, I really am, I'm concerned about the shooting. Like they're going to play a big center most of the time. Sohan, Trey Jones. And again, like who's your best creator? Is it Victor? Like that's asking a lot, even as good as he's looked at times. And, you know, Devin Vassell doesn't really get to the rim. He's not really a great passer. He's just going to shoot a mid-ranger when he gets the ball. So I just don't know what they have to generate great shots. And they don't think they have great shooting up and down the roster either to knock them down. Uh, so I think San Antonio and Houston both have some upside, as you said, defensively. But I'm it's tough for me unless just their young players like just go crazy. Right. It's hard for me to to see them getting, you know, much above that bottom five. But I, I mean, we're going to be wrong on some of these guys, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chicago, I think they can be a little bit better than they've been uh, offensively. Just like bringing in Javon Carter, who will at least shoot threes as an option. Looks like Kobe White might start for them, too. Like, I think like DeRozan, Vooch, and Levine are good offensive players. It's just that everyone else couldn't do anything. And I think they're in a little bit better shape there. Although I also think they'll be worse defensively this year. And then I would I would have Toronto in that group, too. I think they're just going to be. They have so we talked about them earlier, like why I think they're going to be pretty bad. But it seems like you're a little higher on them offensively. Yeah, I mean, you talk about kind of cratering from they were the number 11 offense last year. And again, it was it was possession based. So there's some. Uh, a little bit putting their thumb on the scale there that we might not see this year. Their their shooting numbers were not very good, and they lose Van Vliet, like you said. I, j- I just don't know if all that is enough to to drop the drop them all the way down to the bottom five. Oh, all right. Uh, Raptors were though number twenty seven in true shooting. So if they yes. if they don't generate an inordinate number of possessions, then then they may have a problem. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. Like as I was saying, my default is that with the coaching change they might be a little bit better defensively and a little bit worse offensively if they're not going to play this like crazy aggressive defensive style so all right that was a good start here we'll we come back next week well i'm sure we'll talk about our picks for individual awards and go through just our, our full predictions of the league who's going to win the championship uh, all that so that'll be available exclusively on dunked on prime i hope you all will consider subscribing there and uh, we'll talk to you all next week till then Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint starting at $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. Or a splash of Amazon Jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with durable colors that last all season with Bear Premium Plus paint starting at $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.